it's a gift to listeners. If you make your podcast a gift to listeners, they'll appreciate the fact that um, you gave them that gift and they'll remember you for that and they'll think better of you for that as a brand. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Jeff Vidler. My next guest's career has kept him at the forefront of the changing audio landscape. Building on his in-the-trenches success, first as a radio station manager, then program director, he spent the past 25-plus years in research, sharing his passion for audio with North America's major broadcast companies. More recently, he's been doing the same with podcast publishers. His name is Jeff Vidler, and we're going to talk a lot about his insights into this steadily growing media segment. For those of you wanting to know what's up in the world of podcasts and how things have changed over the years, this is definitely the interview for you. Oh, and besides good data, three other things that Jeff loves are mutually beneficial partnerships, collaborating on innovative research, and fantasy baseball. This promises to be a very entertaining and enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting me. That's great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well. <laughs> we were just saying we had a, a really nice conversation about audio quality before we started recording and, and lamenting the fact that we hadn't hit record yet. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll get there somewhere in the maybe next we will. You know, conversation. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you to start this off. What's your earliest memory of sound and how it moved you? Um, I mean, I, I, I actually, it's almost a bit unfair because <laughs> I grew up um, with an older brother who from the time I can remember, he was 10 years older than I am, but he really desperately wanted to be a radio DJ. So at the age of five, when I was five years old, he was 15 and already cutting demos to get his first job in radio. Um, we would pull the portable record player out of our bedroom, put it next to the console stereo so that we had two turntables um, and he could cue records from one to the other. And I was helping him cueing the records and he had you know, the weather forecast taped to the wall so that he could do his air check. Um, to get his first job on CKY FM in Winnipeg, which is what he did. So, so that's kind of, you say that's a little different than most people's memory, but it also speaks to, I've kind of grown up in audio um, um, because of that. But the one thing that I think in terms of, you would say, what moved you, um, and this would be a few years later, um, and again, it was in Winnipeg, this different radio station, CKRC, every Sunday morning had a show called Wash and Ash, read the funnies and it was you know it was a faithful appointment that i made every sunday morning because i would have the funny papers in front of me and i would listen to these very talented they were radio disc jockeys at that station but they were also talented voice actors bringing to life the voices in peanuts the voices in little <laughs> abner dagwood what a great um, idea. And, 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 and I was just so enthralled by it because it really did just, it brought them to life in a way. I mean, I, you know, like most 10 year olds, I loved the comics. 
Um, but it just took it to a whole nother place. Um, and the funny thing is, I still remember the sponsor. Oh, really? <laughs> well, that's good advertising then. <laughs> Blue Boy ice cream, which I don't think exists anymore. <laughs> well, they did well, though. Um, but but I did still remember that. And I can remember even thinking, wow, this company is so cool that they're allowing me to hear the funnies brought to life by you know a couple of people reading them to me. I just thought that was something that happened everywhere. But I've talked to other people, and it's, it was kind of a unique show. And Bob Washington was the wash. Bob Washington became the voice for KTEL oh, in the okay. 70s. Where people remember those those screaming ads about KTEL records in the 70s and 80s. That was Bob Washington, who also was the wash of Wash and Ash, Read the Funnies, and see here, see back wow. in back in the late 60s, early 70s. I'm dating myself here. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> that sounds like a great show. I, I wish they'd had that when I was a kid. <laughs> I think it could be a podcast today. You know, it'd have to be timely. You'd have to figure out a way. You would do it live, I guess, yeah. and but you could make it available. You know, but but a problem being, everybody. First of all, there aren't the funny papers anymore. They're not, not in the same much, way. Yeah. Well, there just aren't newspapers much yeah. anymore. Um, and and it would be always different by market. So it was definitely a very local thing that had to happen. But sure. anyhow, that yeah. I mean, I, when I think back to what really first connected to me with radio beyond you know, watching my older brother get into the business and do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you started your own media career in radio, is that right? That's right. I, I, my career is kind of, um, in, in two, came in two chunks. Um, I started okay. working in radio, copywriter, music director, program director, station manager, and then radio consultant. And that's when I got into research. And that really started my second career, um, doing media research. And I've done media research for um, print, digital, television, um, and radio, a lot of radio research over the years. But in the last four or five years, I mean, the whole audio world has kind of opened up. Mm, yeah. Um, with the growth of music streaming and, and particularly the growth of podcasting. Um, I mean, it's, um, it's a really exciting time for audio and there's lots of new things going on out there. So um, our company has really doubled down strictly onto audio research. Now we do survey-based audio research that includes brand lift studies, sort of landscape studies of what's happening with podcasting, radio, streaming, other audio things in general, smart speakers, all of that, so that people working in the industry have a better understanding of, so where are the opportunities and what's happening? That's great. Yeah. And you mentioned that you help publishers, broadcasters, and advertisers tap into new opportunities for audio. So how do you do that? And, and what interested you about it? <laughs> well, I mean, what interested me was the opportunity. I think it, it's, it, particularly when you're talking about podcasting, um, you know, we have no problem getting people listening to podcasts. You know, it's, you know, everybody knows the stories about how podcast listening has been growing over the last few years. What is growing more slowly is the ad dollars flowing into podcasting. Because it's a very difficult medium on a few ways. It's very long tail in terms of some of the most engaging podcasts are those that are way out on the long tail um, that are really speaking to very specific niche interests. Well, it's hard for advertisers <laughs> to assemble that, you know, we're up to 2 million plus podcasts now. How does an advertiser go in and buy that? So that's mm -hmm. a problem that needs to be solved. But the other problem is measurement. Um, you know, podcasting, you get downloads and you can qualify those downloads by using the IAB guidelines to give something that is a reasonable proxy for actually listening. But 
Nobody really knows that much about what gets listened to and who's listening. And how long they're listening. And for, how long they're listening. Maybe, and yeah. and is it working for the advertiser? True, yeah. So that's what a lot of the work that we're doing is in that space of helping publishers, broadcasters, and advertisers tap into those opportunities. Help the publishers and broadcasters be able to realize the revenues that are there and help the advertisers um, really feel confident that the medium is working or, you know, whether it's podcasting and we, you know, also doing, you know, brand lift studies for radio and for, for streaming as well. Um, but a lot of it is doing brand lift studies for podcast. So um, really establishing that, that ad in that podcast actually created lift for the brand in terms of awareness, affinity, um, consideration. Um, you can get attribution research, which is digital in terms of following by pixel of somebody who's got listen to the website or listen to the podcast, pardon me, um, and then goes to the website. But this is really looking more at the upper funnel stuff at that, you know, is the podcast generating awareness and, and, and is it, um, helping the brand and as big brands come into podcasting, it becomes even more and more important for them to understand not so much whether they're getting people to go to the website, but whether they're building awareness for their brand and building affinity for it as well. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. I've always been curious about something though when it comes to research. Do you think people are being actually honest when they answer these things? How much of it is made up? That's <laughs> yeah, a great question. Um, and, and, and actually, a lot of it isn't made up in any kind of malevolent way. No, no. Sometimes if, it, it all depends on the questions you ask. Sometimes you can't, you, you got to be careful of the questions you ask. You can't ask people questions that they really don't understand themselves. So much okay. of our behavior is. Um, something that really doesn't even cross our synapses in, in any kind of cognitive way. Sure. So um, it's all it in the questions you ask. That's right. So okay. you can't ask people. I mean, and, and you know, Steve Jobs is probably the best example of, and he had it right. He said, well, hey, I don't use market research because I can ask them what they would like and they're going to tell me something that really they're not going to use because they don't understand their own behavior well enough to, un, you know, so that you have sure. to, so you can, you can ask them questions about, you know, in the case of a brand list study, you can say, do you remember the brand that, that presented that podcast or was in that podcast? Um, you know, you can ask them how they feel about that brand in general. And, 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 and then you can compare that to people who haven't been exposed to the ad. So you can see the difference. So that kind of survey research does work, but if you're trying to use survey research to say, so what do you really want? <laughs> yeah. It's a little open-ended. 
<laughs> and, and also they just don't know. Yeah. They really don't know, right? Yeah. You, you have to give them something and then they can tell you whether they like it or not. That, that they can do. But um, if you're using research to try to get people to tell you, mm-hmm. what kind of podcast would you really like to hear? Okay, so multiple no, they might choice tell you to- is probably They might a tell you a topic or something. They might give you some kind of indication. But, sure. You know, um, but they'll tell you, some, perfect examples, they'll tell you, oh, I want to, yeah, um, how long should a podcast be? Oh, it would be half an hour is perfect. But uh, there's oh, dozens of examples, hundreds, millions of examples of podcasts that go on much longer than that that are very successful because it doesn't have to be, it's not about the length of the podcast, it's about the, what the podcast delivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I listen to Dan Carlin, Hardcore History is one of my favorite podcasts. His podcasts go five hours long. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't goodness. listen to them in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, it's like a book. I pick yeah. it up, I drop it, I pick it up again, right? Sure. Like a Netflix show. <laughs> like a Netflix show, exactly. You Sometimes you fall asleep pause. and you have to go back and listen again, yeah, right? Exactly, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite something. So I guess multiple choice is really the way to go here. Because <laughs> if people are given an option, they, you know, options to choose, then yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess it depends it, on the question people still. Al- <laughs> people always want to be, but people always want to be, they'll, they'll give you one of those multiple choices, but it may not be the one that really reflects what they would do in real life. True. They will want to be helpful. They'll give you an answer. They won't say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you get you have to be careful with the questions you ask, that's all. Yeah, I guess with your experience, you've learned how to ask the right questions. <laughs> yes, that's most the, of the time. Yeah, yeah, I guess you don't find that out until you get the survey back. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes sometimes you go, oh my goodness, yeah, uh, they didn't get this, did they? Right. <laughs> so out of curiosity, do you have any case studies that you can talk about that have helped a company better leverage their advertising in a podcast have you heard of successful uh usage of a podcast for an advertiser yeah um again we do a lot of brand lift studies Mm -hmm. for podcasts and and actually one area that we've done um almost specialize in is branded podcasts Oh, okay. Right. Now, what We're, do you mean are, by that exactly? So, Well, yeah. actually, the company that we work with um, the most, and we have done brand lift studies for other companies that do branded podcasts, but Pacific Content is the company that we work with the most. They don't call them branded podcasts. They call them original podcasts by brands. Okay. The idea that the brand is the publisher, mm-hmm. um, and they're just helping them produce a podcast that is content first, Something that is mm-hmm. like any other podcast you're going to start is 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 something that people will want to listen to and will enjoy listening to. Um, Pacific Content is um, two founders of that came from CBC Radio. Okay, uh, and um, you know, and and it's true with so much podcasting that's out there. The people who come from public radio have that pedigree of being great storytellers, and they are great storytellers, and they have a team that works with them to produce these for them. They most of the work they do is with some of the they're Canadian based, but virtually all the work they do is with U.S. clients because that's where the scale matters. Where, because they <laughs> sure. are cheap to produce that kind of you know high end uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, we do a lot. We've done a lot of work for um, the brands that work with them um, on um, their podcasts. So that includes Ford, Charles Schwab, um, Dell Technologies, mm-hmm. McAfee. Um, there's 
got a very long list of Adobe. Um, I could go on. I can't remember them all. Yeah. Um, but um, there's a couple that come to mind that I think are were particularly interesting because it. What I find fascinating about working with branded podcasts, and I'll use again the example of some of the work we do with Pacific Content, is they have a very very light brand touch within those podcasts. You know. At the most, typically, there might be a tagline in there, but usually there isn't even a tagline. Hmm. So, for example, Hackable, which is a podcast they do for McAfee, just Hackable by McAfee. That's it. That's all the, that's the only, and they'll do that reference two or three times in the podcast, and that's it. You're listening to Hackable by McAfee. Again, original podcasts by brands, right? And, and without, they're not trying to sell. They're telling stories. And in Hackable, they tell stories about people getting hacked and how what how it happened. And they talk to the hackers sometimes and they do. Oh, that's you know, interesting. Get, you get stories around <laughs> sure. um, hacks and people who are interested in internet security. Mm-hmm. They're fascinated by that, right? Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's one example they do. But the ones that, because you, you asked the question about where, um, what examples have we seen where it, we really saw in, sort of amazing impact. One of the ones they do is for Red Hat, which oh, is the okay. software company. Mm-hmm. Uh, the podcast uh, Command Line Heroes. It's a podcast for developers. Um, again, very good very storytelling. <laughs> um, and, and very niche, yeah. and very specific target. Brent Simino, who works at um, Red Hat, is, is a big part of the success of that podcast. Um, but it does have you know lots of downloads and, and a very popular podcast. And we've done now twice um, studies where we looked at sample of engaged listeners to Command Line Heroes, we did a survey on the podcast itself, asked people to give us their opinions of the podcast, what they would like or you know to hear more of on the podcast, what where it could be improved. Um, but we also asked questions about the brand, and virtually all, even with that very light brand touch, 98 percent of them know it's Red Hat. Hmm. And we also asked Brand Affinity question, just how do you feel about Red Hat? And we asked that about all of their competitors as well. And then go out and find a matching sample, same demographics, same work profile as the people we got in the listener survey, and ask them the same questions about brand affinity. And we see both times we've seen really a huge lift among those people who are engaged listeners to that podcast. I mean, 29% higher affinity score, which is outrageous. Like it goes from out of a 6.3 out of 10 to an 8.1 out of 10, which is in you know, in, in kind of brand affinity, brand love scores, that's a huge difference. Yeah. And 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 even greater increase among those who had no prior experience with Red Hat before listening to the podcast. Um, it's an amazing so, way to reach the people who need what you're selling. <laughs> and, and, and with just the lightest brand touch possible, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Give value, you know, and, and people think well of you. That's a good thing, I guess. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. And that's the philosophy that Pacific Content uses is that it's a gift to listeners. Sure. If you make your podcast a gift to listeners, they'll appreciate the fact that um, you gave them that gift and they'll remember you for that and they'll think better of you for mm-hmm. that as a brand. Yeah. Um, and and this is just an example of, of how that's working. And I, actually, I had another situation this past week, funny enough. Um, I was thinking about this, knowing that we were going to chat. And... Um, we had, we're doing a podcast survey and we have, um, a company that works with us on our survey platform and came up with an idea for doing some new kind of programming idea for a survey that we have coming up sort of national podcast survey that we're doing in the U S 
And I, I managed to get the head of the company who was actually on Lake Tahoe on a ski holiday okay. um, to, 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 to chat last Friday. And, um, you know, I told him about what we were planning to do and, and, and the podcast survey. He said, oh, podcast. Yeah, I'm just getting into podcasts. He said, you know, I'm here while I'm skiing and it's great while you're skiing to listen to podcasts. He said, I'm binging on this podcast by Walter Isaacson um, called Trailblazers. Well, Trailblazers is a Dell Technologies podcast. That's the branded podcast <laughs> that we do research for. He had no idea. Of course, this is all top of mind. Okay. And then I, and I, ever the researcher, I said, well, and what is the name of the company that sponsors that podcast or that produces that podcast? He said, oh, it's Dell Computers. It's not quite right. Dell Technologies is the right word. But, <laughs> sure. but then he went on and said, you know, I had a Dell computer, you know, about 20 years ago or so, and I haven't really thought much about them since. But I think this is really cool that they're making this available and bringing, he's a big Walter Isaacson fan and he's sure. bringing, you know, Walter Isaacson into podcasting, telling these stories about technology disruption. Um, so, you know, again, just that very anecdotal, but, yeah. um, and again, very light brand touch, right? But the fact that they're giving the listeners a gift makes a difference. I know that we're all dealing with a lot these days, so I really wanted to acknowledge those that have gone out of their way to leave an honest review of this podcast. Like Gregory, who writes, More. There is more to branding and marketing. Thanks to Audio Branding for introducing me to the world of audio and sound. Love it. Thanks, Gregory. I appreciate the listen and the kind words. And for those of you that are interested, you can also leave a voice review now off of the main podcast page. It's super simple and fun, and I'd love to hear what you think. Now back to the show. So for those that um, would be interested in creating a a branded podcast or a podcast that's brought to you by a brand that mm -hmm. may not be Dell. <laughs> right. What would you, are there things that you would suggest that they, they look at before they create that type of an experience for a podcast listener? Yeah, that's a great question. The, you know, I, again, you know, like anybody starting a podcast, what is it that you're going to be, what, what is the elevator pitch for your podcast? What's that one thing that you're going to provide to your listeners that no other podcast can do? And how can you do it better than anybody else could do it? That's a good question. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and naturally you're looking for some kind of fit, in a, but in a loose fit with the goals, uh, uh, communication objectives of the branded podcast campaign. Going back to Dell, Dell Technologies, um, they're really looking to position themselves as being a thought leader on technology side. So people aren't thinking about them in terms of computers, but thinking about them in terms of helping them, um, companies manage the future better um, and position themselves in, uh, against disruption. So the podcast is Walter Isaacson telling stories about technological disruption. So it's a fit. But the stories live entirely on their own. Mm -hmm. like, and I used the example earlier of Hackable, same kind of story, right? So it doesn't have to be a direct fit to work. And we've done, because we do research for some other uh, branded podcasts as well, and sometimes it does fall flat a little bit when the brand says, and we've had this as an example, brand had some really interesting stories to tell about something that was going to promote their, them as socially responsible corporation. Um, and there were some interesting stories about what they were doing on that area, but 
it was still, you knew that it was the company trying to tell you about all the good things they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I see what you And mean. sure enough, yeah. you, you definitely saw the lift when we compared that to people who hadn't heard the podcast. But the problem was the appeal was much lower, right? So you've got to get, hit that sweet spot. You, the appeal's got to be there. People's BSO-meters. People's BSO-meters are way, well, way up. <laughs> and, and even though they weren't telling any lies, no, it no. just you, it makes you wonder. I mean, we are you know very suspicious, skeptical yes. these days. You know, <laughs> we're aware of fake news and you know mm -hmm. sensitive to lies. So um, it's you know one of those things you've got to be very careful of. So that you know the biggest advice there is don't think about what you want your listeners to know about your brand. Mm -hmm. Think about what stories you have and that you can bring to the table that would interest people who you would like to be interested in your brand. Uh, yes. Right? Yeah. You know? That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing here, <laughs> technically. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. You got it. You nailed it. Talking about sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time, 